Hey everybody, so for this episode I wanted to take time to address an issue that is prominent in our society, an issue that affects millions of people all over the world, an issue that hurts our children and loved ones, an issue that is right under our noses, an issue that many don't even want to talk about and that's why I'm choosing to talk about it today. Because its victims deserve a voice. Its victims deserve a chance to be heard, saved, and supported. And today I'm going to be honest about human trafficking. Because millions of victims want for someone to fight for them. And it's about time that we do just that. So if you don't listen to podcasts or you live a busy schedule, I urge that you make time and listen just this once. This episode is specifically on the shorter side so that it's more adaptable to all types of schedules because I I feel that it is important for as many people as possible to hear this. This is a real issue that is happening in our world today, and you and I have the chance to help end it. There's a lot of political noise in our nation currently, and it's not been very effective at much except drowning out the voices that are attempting to stand for real modern-day slavery. And I think it's so interesting that the same people that decided that they had a voice and that they should use it to stand up are the same people that are virtually silent when the issue of real slavery is brought to their attention. These celebrities that were so vocal and are virtually silent. It's just convenient for the people who are involved in the $150 billion industry called human trafficking that suddenly people don't use the voice that they recently determined that they should use for good. There are criminals that smirk at the silent crime that they can get away with. Why why isn't my feed filled with people that are outraged at the injustices that these legitimate slaves are experiencing? And why isn't it thrown in my face every day when I wake up that these slaves still need help. There are people in this world that cannot speak for themselves because they are too afraid, they're too hidden, or they're just not able to recognize that they themselves are a victim due to the incredible amount of manipulation that they are subject to. And while I think it is admirable to fight for justice in regards to equality, we still need to be just as passionate and vocal about the injustices of human trafficking that are present right now. How, how can someone in good faith stand by when they know that there are real people that don't know if they will ever see their families again, or if they will live to the next day, or if they will even get a meal that day? If you can fight for one oppression, you can fight for another, because if you don't, the only people you are helping to support are those that are trafficking innocent people. And whether you like or agree with Candace Owens or not, Candace Owens invited Tim Ballard on her show to talk about the non-for-profit organization that he helped found. And I encourage you to listen to it at some point. It's called The Candace Owens Show, Tim Ballard on YouTube. Tim Ballard is a man who has been an amazing voice for those that are enslaved by human traffickers. And I wanted to relay some information to you about him and the organization that he works with. So Tim Ballard originally worked for the CIA for a year before deciding to work for Homeland Security after the 9-11 incident. He then worked with Homeland Security for 12 years before being selected to join an anti-child trafficking group. And at the time, he and his wife decided that it was not a good idea to join because they had kids and it was going to be a messy line of work. So Ballard was also, you know, at the time not aware of just how big of an industry and just how big of an issue that human trafficking had become. And so ironically, the reason that made Ballard and his wife decide that he should decline the job offer, their kids, was the same reason that Ballard ended up 
ultimately taking the job. And once they realized just how big of an issue it was, they could no longer justify standing by when millions of people just like you and me were helpless. And so in the interview, Ballard explained part of the reason why he ended up deciding to leave the government and start a non-for-profit organization. Until George W. Bush signed the Adam Walls Child Protect Act, there was a previous requirement that said that if you wanted to arrest an American pedophile who had hurt children overseas, that you had to be able to prove that they had the intent to rape the child on U.S. soil. And under that requirement, there were zero prosecutions made until Bush signed away with that requirement. And then after Bush's decision to sign the Adam Walls Child Protect Act, all that had to be proven was that the person had sexually assaulted the child. That was good. This made it so much more easy to put away these criminals. Um, but while on the anti-child trafficking group, Ballard was told about a missing child named Gardy. And this young boy was born in the U.S. and was with his family in Haiti when he was kidnapped. Um, he was kidnapped at the church where his father worked as the pastor. And Haiti is actually number three per capita in the world for human trafficking. Ballard was moved by Gardy's father, Guesno, and his motivation to search every night for his son with only a flashlight. And so Ballard made a promise to Guesno that he would find his son. And as a member of the anti-child trafficking group, Ballard would go undercover as a pedophile or a trafficker while overseas in order to catch these criminals. But the issue with human trafficking that tends to make it so difficult to track down is that it can be an international crime. So government employees, like Ballard, would have a difficult time finding the jurisdiction to arrest non-U.S. citizens for crimes that happen in foreign nations when no U.S. citizen was victimized. And so at times, Ballard had found a group of kids that were victims, but was unable to rescue them due to jurisdiction issues. And this is part of the reason why Ballard formed Operation Underground Railroad, or as an acronym, O-U-R, or OUR. Ballard recruited former Navy SEALs, Homeland Security workers, and local cops to help go on these missions voluntarily. Um, and unfortunately, in the underdeveloped countries, there aren't going to be proactive investigations that we as U.S. citizens are lucky to have. As U.S. citizens, we have the first-class law enforcement at federal, state, and local levels that can afford to take on these human trafficking cases. But in these underdeveloped countries, the law enforcers are not able to take on additional cases to proactively search for crime that has not been reported. So they're too busy taking care of bodies that are found after homicides and dealing with a large amount of crime that they aren't able to take on an entire new caseload. So as a member of OUR, he was able to help locate and liberate 28 children who were being held in a building that was fronted to be an orphanage. And the most disgusting thing about this is that traffickers can disguise their practice as an orphanage, and then conveniently for them, people in Haiti who find kids after a disaster will take them to what they believe to be an orphanage without knowing that by doing so, they are setting this child up for exploitation for possibly the rest of their life. And Ballard and his team set up an undercover mission to walk into this Happy Day orphanage, which, by the way, is not only a lie, but the exact opposite of the truth as to what this place was. And chillingly enough, when he walked in with his cameras, he was met with people assuming that he knew what type of business that they were really running, and they told Ballard that it was $10,000 per kid. $10,000! per kid. Someone decided that they had the responsibility to place a value on someone. Someone decided that they could own another human being. Disgusts me. It disgusts me. And it should disgust you too. 
And as a part of the process to catch and put away these criminals, Ballard was told that he needed to follow through with a business transaction and buy one of the kids so that they would have evidence to catch them on. And the most heartbreaking thing that brought me to tears when I listened to Tim Ballard tell the story was not only the idea of getting to choose one kid, of only getting to choose one kid, but that the kid he chose turned out to be one of the children's siblings. Um, he described that he picked up one little boy to buy, and as he was walking around the room in search for Gardy, the boy that he promised to find, he was being followed by a small three-year-old girl. And noticing that the girl, as well as all the other kids in this so-called orphanage, was on the brink of starvation, he gave her a candy bar. And instantly, the girl broke the candy bar in half and gave part of it to her brother, the boy that Ballard had chosen. And Ballard realized in that moment that he was about to separate this little girl from the only thing that she still had. Her family. So when he let the boy down and the sister stood in front of her brother as a way to protect him, Ballard said he did something for the first and last time. He said that the, he told the girl who he was, what he was doing, and how he was going to help. And, and the amount of strength that that little girl had to have to trust Ballard to come back and save her is unbelievable to me. And I don't think I will ever comprehend how much trauma a girl at just three years old had already been through. When OUR ultimately rescued all 28 children and arrested the traffickers, Ballard had to tell Guesno that Gardy was not one of the 28 children that they had found. And so something that Guesno said that I can only assume came from the strength of God was that if he had to give up his son so that 28 kids could be rescued, that was a burden he was willing to bear. I, I don't think I could say that. I can't even imagine what it would be like to go through that with a family member, yet alone my own child. So to, to have to somehow sleep at night, not knowing where they were, or to have to somehow continue to work without knowing if they were safe or keep courage when it feels like I'd never see them again, I don't know if I could do that. But Guesno was a man of so much strength and faith, so much so that he ended up adopting eight of the rescued kids. And Ballard also ended up adopting two, the two siblings that he had interacted with, the boy and the girl, making his family count go to 11 because Ballard already had seven kids of his own. And, and this is just one of the many rescue stories that OUR has been able to be a part of. And they are still working today to fight for those that are enslaved without voices. And I hope that this story tugged on your heartstrings because it tugs on mine, but I also want to discuss just what exactly human trafficking is. So the definition of human trafficking given by the Blue Campaign by Homeland Security is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Traffickers use force, fraud, or coercion to lure their victims and force them into labor or commercial sexual exploitation. Traffickers might use violence, manipulation, or false promises of well-paying jobs or romantic relationships to lure victims into trafficking situations. Language barriers, fear of their traffickers, and or fear of law enforcement frequently keeps victims from seeking help, making human trafficking a hidden crime. There are 30 million people enslaved today, and about 8 million of them are children enslaved for sex slavery, slave labor, or organ harvesting. Organ harvesting. There's also a 5,000% increase in child rape videos on the internet. And not surprisingly, America is the number one consumer and producer for child pornography. Also not surprisingly, the U.S. is in the lead as far as helping victims with our law enforcement and our high tech, but there are still millions of people being sold and this issue is nowhere near being over. 
traffickers can sell children already for two or three times the cost of an adult and they'll try to get a child into the US so that their price will go up even further. And these, these criminal traffickers want their work to be legitimized. That is paradise for them. To be able to rack up all this money without fear of law intervention, that is their dream. Their actual dream. These traffickers want to earn the most money that they can. And if that means taking enslaved children into the US, that's what they're going to do. ICE has done the most more than any other agency to knock out these pedophiles. And this organization has the ability to stop criminals and help victims. There are people that will try to cross our border and claim that they're traveling with their kids in an attempt to get the extra cash of a U.S. child sale. And DNA testing to prove a possible family unit fraud has allowed for the arrests of criminals involved in human smuggling and human trafficking. Now, human smuggling and human trafficking are different. Smuggling is the illegal movement of someone across the border and trafficking is the illegal exploitation of a person. But unfortunately, in many cases, smuggling is a part of the trafficking experience. Again, like I said, traffickers want that big buck <laughs> that comes with a US child. So if that means pretending to be their parent in an attempt to smuggle them across the border, that's what they're going to do. And Ballard told about a woman that works with him at OUR who was actually enslaved as a kid at the age of 12. And she said that she had wished that there was a way that her and her trafficker were forced to go through one entry to the country where there would be a law enforcer on the other side. A law enforcer that would be waiting for them and who is, by the way, trained to spot human trafficking cases. And while I 100% agree that it is sad that there are children that are being separated from their families at the border, many of them are not actually with their families. Approximately 70% of the children that are brought into the country illegally are victims of human trafficking. And at the end of Tim Ballard's interview, he gave a message to the audience, and I would just like to share that message with you guys as well. So here's what he had to say. On your market set, world, I give you Tim Ballard. Hey world, listen up, they, there's slavery and it's not dead. It's alive. And Candace said something very important. Uh, she said that it's terrifying to talk about this, and that's my fear that you're going to turn us off. It takes guts to listen to this interview. It takes guts to engage. And, uh, you know, I, I used to teach um, international politics at one time in my life, and, and people would, my students would talk about, oh, we talked about slavery in the 19th century. Oh, I would have been an abolitionist. I would have stood up. And I have to be the jerk, and it sounds, you know, kind of... Uh, jerkish to say this, uh, but I had to tell him, you you probably wouldn't have been, because people in the North in, in the 19th century, they didn't travel into South Carolina or Georgia to see slavery any more than you and I travel to Thailand or Mexico or our other high-trafficking areas. Not that it doesn't exist here, it does, but it's more hidden. And so look back at history, and, and if you probably would say, I, I would have been one of those abolitionists. I would have been Harriet Tubman. I would have been Frederick Douglass. Well, now's your chance, because the parallels are almost exact. It's going on now. Slavery is real. There's more people enslaved than any other time in the history of the world, and there's so much that you can do to help eradicate it and liberate and heal these children. So if you go to OURrescue.org or the NazareneFund.org, learn about how you can get involved to help us liberate the captive. That was perfect. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. I was just, oh God, I was trying so hard not to cry. So going back to something that I mentioned with the definition of human trafficking, I said that language barriers, fear of their traffickers, and or fear of law enforcement frequently keeps victims from seeking help, making human trafficking a hidden crime. And reading that made me think of something, and I just want to bring that something up because I believe it is a very valid question. If human beings that are forced into slavery are afraid to reach out to law enforcement, 
In what way will pushing an anti-law enforcement narrative encourage any victim of slavery to attempt to reach out? If we want to push to find ways to help support the rescue of the victims of slavery, we should be pushing to support organizations like OUR and pushing for additional funding to re and resources to aid in the areas of law enforcement that specialize in the rescuing of the victims of slavery. And fortunately, the government recently announced that over $35 million in grants will be donated to 73 organizations in 33 states in order to help provide safe and stable housing to survivors of human trafficking. And, and while, while that is really good news and a great start, that's nowhere near the end of what needs to happen. So I hope that I made you think about what needs more tension and priority in our nation. And in the meantime, I decided it would be beneficial to list some ways to help spot a human trafficking case. And the list I'm about to read is listed on the blue campaign by Homeland Security's website. It says, does the person appear disconnected from family, friends, community organizations, or houses of worship? Has a child stopped attending school? Has the child had a sudden or dramatic change in behavior? Is a juvenile engaged in commercial sex acts? Is the person disoriented or confused or showing signs of mental or physical abuse? Does the person have bruises in various stages of healing? Is the person fearful, timid, or submissive? Does the person show signs of having been denied food, water, sleep, or medical care? Is the person often in the company of someone to whom he or she defers or someone who seems to be in control of the situations, like where they go or who they talk to? Does the person appear to be coached on what to say? Is the person living in unstable conditions? Does the person lack personal possessions and appear not to have a stable living situation? Does the person have freedom of movement? Can the person freely leave where they live? Are they... Are there any unreasonable security measures? Maybe one of the most scary things about this upcoming few months and the past few months is that many of these signs have gone and will go unnoticed. Uh, many red flags for not only human trafficking, but also just child abuse are noticed when students go to school. And many children who are trafficked and abused are still going to school to keep appearances and not turn on any alarms. So if we push for a distance learning for an unverified amount of time, then it's likely that we're going to miss a lot of cases for an unverified amount of time. So after all of this, the big question is, what can I do? How can I help? Well, if you want to go hold a sign and promote the fight for these people's liberation, then go ahead. Also, don't be afraid to spread the word. <laughs> Talk to your friends and family about it. Don't let it go unheard of. And you can get involved with organizations like Operation Underground Railroad and the Blue Campaign and donate to trusted organizations like those who will work to free the millions that are enslaved today. Take time to learn about the signs and indicators of trafficking so that you are more able to spot a case when you see one and you can report it. Uh, you can always submit tips to www.ice.gov tips and you can call law enforcement at 1-866-DHS-2-ICE and it also doesn't hurt to be informed about what companies are still using human trafficking as a way to exploit people's labor for free or below minimum wage costs. So just be smart about what you buy and support, do your research, be a voice. Uh, because millions of victims want for someone to fight for them and it's about time that we do just that. Thank you for taking time to listen to this episode. It is a very important issue that we are still currently facing in our nation and in our world. And hopefully as more people start to talk about it and learn about it and speak out that we can help those who can't help themselves.